Of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. Yo, what's good? And we have joining us on the line to chop it up this week about everything Jets, okay? The number one Jet entrepreneur in the game. He has podcasts, he has websites, he's doing it all out there. Long Beach Joe, Joe Bennett, welcome to the show. What's going on? And again, I want to thank uh, y'all for having me on. It's just, you know, it's always a blast to sit down and talk Jets with everybody. And again, I want to thank y'all. It's going to be a, a great conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Your show's great. You always do great work there on YouTube. And even on, even on your video games. I know you're into video games. I know you're out yeah. there doing work on that too, man. So you're yep. <laughs> across the board, man. You do great work, so Joe. So thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Now, we're just going to get right into it here. We talked a little bit about before the show started. We talked with Paul Esden Jr. last week. Very granular detail. We got into free agents and Salah and free agency. Uh, excuse me, and, and the draft. So with you, we want to do the same thing. Maybe touch on it. Just get your grades on it, what, what your thoughts were when... They rolled out this list of candidates when the season started, who we might hire as a coach. Was Salah high on your list? Was that a target for you? I know you're out there on the West Coast. You might yeah. be more plugged into him than we are out here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know them. I knew he was a big-time coordinator, a lot of people behind him. But when you made your list, before they hired Coach Salah, was mm-hmm. he someone you had high up there, Joe? Uh, he wasn't the highest on my list, but I was uh, definitely aware of him. Uh, again, like, as you know and everybody else, you know, that – if you don't know, if you're watching, I'm a Jets fan from the West Coast, so I'm forced to watch the Niners constantly. Uh, they're on TV constantly. The Raiders are on TV constantly out here. So, but again, you know, it's it's Niner Nation where I'm at, and I watched the work that he did, and it was unbelievable. Uh, the defense that they put together, even with the injuries that they had. I mean, hell, you go back and you watch the game that we played against us. They smoked us. And I mean, yeah. they had injuries left and right in that game. And it was like, nothing was wrong. You know, they, they, I think Bosa was out that game. They had uh, what another one of their defensive ends. One of their stars yeah. went out that game. They're, they had backers out. They had everybody out. And they still had no business against us. He's always been able to put a competent uh, defense out there and really fire guys up. And not just that, be able to motivate players and utilize them and their skill sets to the fullest of potential, to the max. I'm talking, he put guys in his defenses that a lot of people just was like, oh, this is castaways. Those are just cast offs. Oh, this guy's cool, but he's never really gonna be able to make a play. Or, you know, he's he's athletic, but he's a little undersized. And Sulla was always able to bring those guys in and put them together. I mean, I have friends, you know, that are big Niners fans as well. And the second that we got him, it was like, they told us, they told me at least, you guys got somebody serious. He's definitely going to improve your football team. He's going to be immediate energy. He knows what he's talking about. And even when you hear him talk, he's a teacher. You can tell that this guy understands the game and not only understands it, 
you know, at a level to be a coach, but he understands how to teach others as well, which is huge. Being able to convey your message, being able to convey your scheme and everything and make it very simple to players so they can go out there and just play fast and not think. They're not going out there trying to, you know, solve a Rubik's Cube or trying to figure out, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's rocket science. You know, some, some coordinators do that. No, his sure. scheme is very quick. Uh, and it's understandable. And again, he's able to utilize players to their fullest of potential. But he wasn't a guy that was number one on my list. I'm not going to sit here and tell a story like most people would. I was very high on Eric Bienini, very high on him. That was my guy I wanted. I also wanted Debo as well, um, basic, mainly because uh, those guys have records, track records with quarterbacks. They have yeah. track records of being able to develop young quarterbacks, being able to work with them, and also put together offensive systems. I was huge on... Uh, better in our offense because uh, <laughs> you look at what we just went through. Our offense has been crap for years. <laughs> like, I mean, Man. do you want to talk about it? You, you you started with Todd Bowles, you know, and his, I don't know what the heck that was. And then you turn around and you, then you handed your franchise quarterback to Adam Gaze. Wow. What a way to completely destroy your franchise and completely wipe any chance that you would have you know, uh, to put anything together offensively. We were 32nd in the league twice, you know, back-to-back -back oh, years. That's that's God. atrocious. You cannot oh, continue goodness. like that. So I needed, I wanted to see somebody come in offensively and able to put things together. But let me tell you something. I'm extremely happy with Robert Sella. I'm extremely happy with him being here, especially because, you know, not only the head coach that I believe that he's going to be, and also, you know, working with the defense, him and, and the defensive coordinator we have, but the guy that he brought in, Mike LaFleur, I like what he has. I like what he's yeah. going to bring to the table. That Shanahan system that they're running out here or that the Niners run, and we've seen it be successful all over the league, but especially when I'm watching the Niners, that Shanahan system is unbelievable. What Kyle Shanahan was doing out is is doing out there with the 49ers is, is crazy. You know, again, that running game that they have, the fact that they have a committee of running backs, and I mean, there's no big household name. It's just a bunch of guys, and they're still able to put together big-time numbers. They have one of the best rushing offenses in the league. It's unbelievable. And I think that, you know, again, with Michael Floor being a guy that was around Shanahan, you know, kind of like is, you know, in there, he's in there in the offensive meetings. He understands him bringing that here is going to do nothing but bode well for us. So I like everything that we did, particularly with our front office. You know, Joe Douglas continued to fill that out this offseason, and you know, bringing in Coach Sella. So I like the hire. I really, really did. But like I said before, and I'm I'm always honest about it, he wasn't my number one guy. He wasn't. He just wasn't. Yeah. But I, I'm unbelievably happy with him uh, being the New York Jets head coach. What I, what I can say is that I have learned and seen that maybe the guy or the person who is the most technical, who knows the best schemes and understands the X's and knows the best, maybe not the best leader, right? It's really the leadership is being able to grab those technical people, right? And institute those processes and those schemes that are gonna eval or end up with value, right? And those type of leaders not just are able to pinpoint and figure out the right type of uh, uh, coaches and leaders to implement that, but connect with those players. When I heard yes. Salah, talk about what players want like hey we're going to be there for them and we're going to get work to get them paid I, I had never in my life heard a coach say something like that when he told zach wilson hey you don't have to worry about building this team up this team is here to lift you up you know what i'm saying it's like he he's like i'm here with you dude i got you we're going to do this together see as a leader 
when those who are working for you believe that you have their best interests at hand, people will do anything for you. That's the thing that Rex Ryan had that a lot of other coaches that have come in here like Todd Bowles and, and, and uh, you know, Adam Gase never did is because Rex Ryan, they believed in him because he would die. He, he had that aura like, I'm going to die with you. I'll, we together are coming out. I remember I told Keith knows when they were going out to play Indianapolis and he had the Jets on. He's like, yeah, that's right. And he had the whole team. He's like, here come the Jets, baby. Like, like yeah. it's us. You know what I'm saying? Like that type that, and this is the first guy I feel that same type of passion, that that leadership, that 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 ability that coach players are gonna say, yo, I'm gonna play for you. And he, again, he doesn't have to be the greatest offensive mind in the world or defensive mind in the world, but he needs to know who are the right people to then institute those schemes and then run good game plans when they get in and start playing and have the balls. No, not to, not to, I don't mean to have bad language here, but to have the balls to call out play you know call uh, uh uh plays in game that most coaches would never do and do it because he has a belief in the mm -hmm. system and the players to get that executed that's what great coaches do yeah and you guys you know what i bet and todd bowles with x's and o's sharp as attack he knows what he's doing great defensive coordinator just not someone who's going to lead men like joe was alluding to a moment ago and like you did mike you have to be able to combine those things and i think the best coaches obviously have a technical acumen they know the x's and o's they put their players in the best position to win also they can get through to them on a personal level it's like in real life if you look at the window and one of your best friends is about to get into a fight you're running out there and you're running the trenches immediately because you have that relationship you share experiences you know that person has your back so you have to have their back. You know what I mean? And Gase created the opposite effect in his players. I mean, Adam Gase, if Adam Gase got into a brawl on the sideline, just players probably would have backed up. Just let him get his ass whooped. I mean, he, he in Miami and New York, he didn't foster those relationships. Todd Bowles, great X's and O's, never fostered those relationships. All you hear from Salah, though, play players that, uh, you know, have a pass with him, is what? They love him. They'll go through a wall for him. Richard Sherman was was lobbying to get signed by the Jets the second that Salah got brought in. So, and even guys, even if you look, you mentioned LaFleur, Joe, even if you mentioned bringing in an Ulbrich who seems to have that same energy of a Salah when you see him, what he's bringing to the defensive side of the ball. So I've been, I'm, I'm really excited about that. The coaching staff's probably the best one we've had in a long time. Now let's segue here into the free agent class. I really want to hear what Joe's grade was in free agency because most experts, now Jet fans, we, we, we're not necessarily the most objective. One thing we do know though, is that we have not had good free agent classes in many, many years. Maybe one or two guys here and there. Insofar as the whole class of guys, now including Moses, where do you peg the Jets? What do you have, now that we have Moses included in it, Joe, what was your grade for Jet free agency this year? I, I gave it an A before Moses, to be completely honest. Nice. I think we, yeah, I, I honestly think that we did a very good job. Um, and it really shows uh, Joe Douglas clearly has a plan. Uh, gone are the days of Mike McCagney where we were drastically overpaying for non-impact uh, positions. And any, any anybody that knows me knows that I was, I mean, he would just overpay for certain guys that just would never work out here or guys that really didn't matter in the long scheme of things. Um, and we saw a absolute focus, like a plan. We have a general manager that clearly has a plan that's not going to get fleeced. And not only is he not going to get fleeced, but he's also clearly respected around the league. And we're seeing that. Some of the signings completely honest to me. I mean, I look at guys like Carl Lawson. That signing was shocking. I don't Ooh. think that anybody, I don't think that any Jets fan was saying Lawson is a guy that we're absolutely going to get. I didn't hear anybody talking about that. 
because usually we don't get guys like that. Yeah. And he was able to go in there and get him. Why does that matter? Well, if you're asking me why it matters is because the rest of the league has figured out that this is a passing league and you need to do what? You need to make sure that you get guys that can chase the guy that's trying to throw the ball. And you also need to get guys to chase the guy that's trying to throw the ball. Now, what have we been bad at for years, right? For, for years. Guys that chase the guys that are trying to catch the ball and guys that are supposed to chase the guy that's supposed to be throwing the ball, right? We haven't had a pass rush in I don't know how long. We haven't had an actual pass rush, a real pass rush in years. We've always had to send blitzes to get pressure. And that's always left our, our secondary in trouble. Well, here we have a guy that is a pass rusher, a guy that can come in and absolutely put uh, pressure on the, on the passer. And that's huge in this league because every other team that is competing on a consistent basis, right? That's pushing forward, that's trying to do anything in this league, they have those guys. You know, they have one or two or three of those guys that consistently yeah. do that. So we finally have one. The Corey Davis signing, I think is huge. Again, he was setting the table, and I know we're gonna get into the draft, but as you can see with some of these signings as well, setting the table for his young quarterback. We finally have a number one wide receiver. If you look at the issues that Sam Darnold had, next to no weapons, especially no number one wide receiver. Yeah. How do you how do you expect a young quarterback to be able to grow with nothing? It's not gonna work. Yeah, and I, mean, I know some Jets fans believe that, that you can just stick a quarterback out there with yeah. nobody and he'll turn into Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know how many times we have to destroy quarterbacks for you to figure out that that does not work in this league. It just doesn't work. Every other quarterback from, from Sam's class got something pretty much, right? Josh Allen, you look what he's doing up there. What did they do? They went and got him. Cole Beasley, John Brown, and everybody laughed at that. Oh, those guys are just number twos. Well, they turn around and got digs. You look at what they did with Kyler Murray out there in Arizona, right? Look at how they built around that young quarterback. You look at what they built around with Lamar Jackson out there, solid weapon. They gave him a, got, a, a very good offensive coordinator. You look at what's been done. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has weapons out there. It's not just him out there throwing to nobody. He's got guys that he can get the football to. So, and again, even if you look at some of the other quarterbacks in Sam's class, those guys were put in position. Baker Mayfield, look at look at his situation. Right. I mean, what weapons doesn't he have? You know what I'm saying? Right. So you have to do that. And 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 that signing to me was huge as well, not just because of Corey Davis's uh, ability as a wide receiver, but also as a blocker as well in yeah, the running monster. game, which which is also going to fit into our scheme uh, with LaFleur. So there was a quite a bit of signings, especially some of the things we did defensively as well, bringing in Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Rankins, which is going to be huge along our defensive line. It's going to continue to bowl well. They followed that out with Vinny Curry as well, which is a veteran guy that I think is going to be solid, you know, within the rotation. He's still going to be able to pro provide some production here. I don't think he's going to get us big sack numbers, but he's a guy that's going to continue to push the pocket, and you need those guys in there. Gerard Davis, a very solid linebacker as well, coming in. He's a guy that I think in Sulla's scheme we'll see more out of than we did uh, you know, with him in the Lions. I think he was just kind of poorly coached there and not really put in a scheme to succeed here. I think he'll be again, put in a position to succeed and we'll see a lot out of him. And those are just a couple guys, especially a guy like, again, Keelan Cole, which is a sneaky signing to me that I think can be very impactful. This is a guy that is talented, very talented. And when you look at our wide receiver core right now, when you look at the situation, dude, we're scary. This is one of the scariest wide receiver cores that we've had in years. In years, it's very deep. Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, Mims. I know we're talking about the draft, but Elijah Moore. You got Jamison Crowder. Those are weapons. You yep. give your young quarterback somebody to go to. My goodness, <laughs> it's not like it was yeah. years ago. Where I mean, you, I mean, come on. We had Rashad Perryman. We were getting guys off the street. Chris Hogan last year. Those yeah. you cannot. You can't. 
You can't do that in the NFL. You can't live like that. You just can't. You will lose. If you can't put together a solid offense, you can call it a night. It's over, okay? And, you know, I'm not going to – we can go over to all the guys all day, but especially the signing of Morgan Moses, who continue to address the offensive line because guess what? And I used to say this years ago, and people didn't believe me. If you do not set the table for your young quarterback, he won't be able to eat. I used to say that all the time. Yeah. If you want him to eat, set the table, bro. Set the table. We watched Sam Donald run for his life with horrific, horrific offensive line play for years. And it never worked. He was yeah. getting hit constantly. He was getting he was skittish in the pocket. He didn't know what to do. Those are the things that you do when you don't allow your young quarterback to be able to be calm and confident back out back there out in the pocket. If you look at this, uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at Patrick Mahomes. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time, right? What did he look like when all the protection broke down and he was yeah. running for his life? He looked like Sam Darnold. He looked exactly like him, running for his life, trying to throw off his back foot. There were guys all over him because he didn't have any protection. So even the best quarterbacks don't look good when they don't have time. And Joe Douglas, I'm telling you with this, a lot of the guys that he brought in and the planet, again, continuing to hammer at the offensive line, he's setting his young quarterback up for success. He's doing everything that he can to make sure that his young quarterback doesn't fit. Yeah, that first game, that first time that he takes a snap, Wilson, he'll have a better offensive line than Sam ever had. By and, far. And he'll have more weapons than Sam, not even close, ever had. Not even close. And no one, you, people can debate Sam, I understand that, but you, nobody can debate how bad the offensive line was and how bad the weapons that surrounded him were. So we're yeah. on the same page when it comes to that. You have something to say, Mike? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was saying I agree completely what Joe was saying about a lot of those different free agents that we were able to sign. There are a couple of guys there that are under the radar that could be great, great signings. I mean, Chris Herndon, you know, he has been a disappointing, oh boy, disappointing subject here on our show. Um, I've believed in him. Keith had believed in him. We all loved Chris Herndon. So okay, here, you, 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 you get a guy like uh, Cross. I'm off the bandwagon. Uh, we'll get oh, into yeah, this in a he, moment. Joe. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. I'm, I'm, I'm a hater, I, and I don't want to. I'm, I'm a half. I'm you're very, very positive normally. Let's just jump into it now, Mike. We'll fast forward. And he might be someone that is on the bubble when it comes to the. If, I should look at it like this: if he can't beat out Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin and Kenny Aboa, then what are we doing with this guy even on the team? You know what I mean? I mean, Chris Herndon, after his rookie year, was irresponsible. That second year got hurt, got a Dewey. I mean, came back out of shape and then got the hamstring after Dewey, I should say. So people kind of forget about that when they do the equation about him. But I don't because it's kind of disappointing to me his second season. And then last year, maybe the gaze factor played a role. I don't know what your thoughts are, Joe. What do you no. feel about Chris Herndon? No, I think he's trash. And I've been very, very clear about <laughs> Mike, my feelings about Chris you Herndon. You hear this? He is trash. Finally, someone agrees with me. Thank uh, you, Josh. Let, let, let's be serious here. And look, it, maybe this year he turns it around. I, I've been accused of being a Herndon hater. Uh, you know, everyone <laughs> knows my show, the Long Beach Joe Show. I've got the Herndon hive on my back 24-7. Okay? They are after me. I eat, look, you can say all those things. Listen, when he's not hurt, okay, when he's, when he's not hurt, he's suspended. When he's not suspended or hurt, he's dropping footballs. When he's not dropping footballs, he's fumbling. That, that's just what it is. That's what it is. We cannot continue to go, oh yeah, well maybe this year, maybe. dude, you gotta show up. I was I was done after the first, like you gotta show me something. I was never on the bandwagon. I need to see more out of you, Chris Herndon. And again, he's got an opportunity here. I don't wanna hear the gaze factor because what's crazy is it doesn't work for anyone else but Herndon. When you bring up the gaze factor for a lot of people with 
I don't know, Sam Darnold, like I used to do. I was told that that was, that's a non-relevant argument, yeah. Joe. The gays <laughs> like, no, 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 gays, that, that had nothing to do with Sam. Sam sucks, so on and so forth. But why does it work for, why does it work for Herndon, but it doesn't work for, for Sam Darnold? Uh, what does gays have to do with you catching the football and yeah. keeping it in your hands? I, okay, I, so Mike, and what do I say? I got, I, I, and so this is why I was transitioning into the, the first free agent that could be a very great pickup, Tyler Croft. Now, mm -hmm. Tyler Croft had a pretty good campaign back at Cincinnati, 42 catches. And then he signed a three-year deal with the Bills, hurt his foot. I banged up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But you could see the guys has talent. So if Chris Herndon isn't going to step up and be the unicorn that we supposedly he's supposed to be with his athletic ability and everything like that, Tyler Croft is going to step right in there and maybe TE1 for this team. Okay, yeah. so the one thing that Herndon does do that he did even last year is he is also a solid blocker, right? And that is going to be important. Yeah, but we didn't draft team. him for that, though. We and didn't draft not, him for that. No, agreed, yeah. agreed, agreed. The other guy that people don't really talk a lot about is uh, Justin Hardy. Now, he's a cornerback, but he's special teams. And this yep. kid and his attitude and what – and let me tell you something. Our special teams uh, unit is not scrubbish. We have – Brent well, Boyer, who has survived three regimes. Boyer's this guy's great. a good. This guy's yeah. a good coach. You know what we I'm saying? We gotta get a kicker. We supposedly got the greatest punter in the history of the game. Now he didn't do. He did good. He didn't do as great as we all thought. Me and Keith thought he was LeBron oh, James. We were calling him LeBron a punter. Yeah, like we were. He had every you know, NCAA record in punting history. I'm like, here we go. We're gonna be kicking 50 yarders nonstop. Right. But this guy Hardy, wow, the element. Think about the Chargers a couple of years ago didn't make the playoffs because their special teams were the worst. You know what I'm saying? So watch out for this guy, the energy, you know, what he's going to be able to bring over in special teams. And um, and then another guy, Keelan Cole. Now, I don't know if you got, and we're going to be talking about OTAs and everything like that. I don't know if you've been watching. So supposedly um, Joe Douglas has been after Keenan Cole for a while now. Yeah. Okay, that's what the, the word on the street is. And this kid walks in, and he's immediately, him and Zach are just boom, 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 boom. Okay, and, you know, me and Keith already had some debates about this regarding the receiving unit, and we're going to get into this in a second regarding Mims and everything like that. But I would not say that it is outside of possibility that Keelan Cole is one of the starting wide receivers on day one for the New York Jets. Wow. I'm not wow. saying that it's not going to be. Okay, don't be surprised that he is not going because Keelan Cole has never been bad. I mean, look at where he's been, and he was productive. Yeah, he was. that scrub quarterback situation down yeah, there. Bortles, you know what I'm saying? Minshew. So look, let's see. Okay, this kid, you know, he runs routes well. He's fast. He has hands. Um, so he may be another really, really great pickup. You know, under the radar free agent pickup that people aren't really talking about so but i love the guys you said and carl lawson is my absolute favorite guy i was just listening to one of the jet pods they actually the official jet podcast keith and yeah they were interviewing his dad and they said that carl lawson when he was a little boy he was six or seven never played any football in his life and was at a football game seven on went on the field and started tackling cats with, with pads <laughs> with nothing on just tackling them like yeah. they were like yo who's this little cat you yeah. know what i'm saying so his dad he was like 14 13 14 and his dad he told his dad he could bull rush him because his dad used to be a, a a guard uh back in the day in college so his dad was like all right so they went out in the field son just bull rushed his father snapped his kneecap up left him on the <laughs> yo this dad tells yeah. the story he's like this kid's ruthless, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. I love this kid. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to Lawson also, and Joe said this, I mean, having someone actually be able to get after the quarterback on their own, 
Don't have to come up with some exotic blick scheme. I mean, we got we would get pressure on the quarterback with Rex, right? But we had to be so creative to do it. And a lot of times we had Revis, so we were able to do that. We don't have a Revis now. So I think Lawson on his own creating that pressure. And then you have Quinnen in the middle. And then, like Joe mentioned, we got Curry and we got Rankins. Guys that, if you look, actually are decently productive. So, I mean, if they're going to get singled, Rankins and Curry, they're going to get three or four sacks this year. I think both those guys. So let's get into the draft, though. Let's talk about another receiver. My my favorite pick in the draft um, was one Elijah Moore. Obviously, we know Zach Wilson headlined the draft. I want to hear your full thoughts on it. I want to hear your draft grade. But let's talk about Elijah Moore a little bit, Joe, because I think right now he has a chance to be the best receiver on the team. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why, because I know Corey Davis has the biggest contract. Um, I, I don't think it's that funny. Um, I think Corey Davis has the biggest contract, right? Okay. But Corey okay. Davis is yet to get 1,000 yards in his career, right? And Corey Davis can block well. But he okay. has some limitations as a wide receiver. Um, Jamison Crowder is a slot receiver who plays slot receiver, doesn't play on the outside. Elijah Moore played on the slot, played on the outside, ran a 4-3-5, caught 97% of his balls in college, was ridiculously productive, the hardest working guy in the building, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you think that's crazy? You don't think he has a chance to be the best receiver on the team this year? I think he has a chance to be the best receiver, but saying that he's the best receiver right now, I don't think is a good idea because he hasn't done anything. You can listen. How many times? And again, so Beckton wasn't our best I, lineman last year before he played the first game. No, he was, yeah, he, he was our no, best offensive lineman listen, before he played he, day one. He was. No, 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 no. He was. He's a great lineman, but again, he proved that during the season, right? You got to see that. You can't say that this kid just coming in, he's better than Corey Davis. Oh, I said could be, of course. course. Oh, yo, I, just, I can't definitively say that. Okay, we, well, we haven't well, played a game yet. Okay, but but I said, said Elijah Moore said could right be now, the best receiver on the team. Yeah, but you said right now he's. You believe he's the best receiver on the team? I don't think he is. When you look at the situation, Corey Davis, yeah, he hasn't had a thousand yards yet, but this guy's put up, put up solid numbers in the in the in the in the NFL. And again, if you look at the season that he's or the the situation that he was in, especially in Tennessee, this guy was run blocking. That scheme was crazy. So. Look, I like Elijah Moore a lot. I think he's immensely talented, and I want to see what he's going to be able to do in this scheme. I think he's going to be like the the Weapon X guy. I think he's going to be a Debo Samuel within yeah. the system. He's yeah. going to be a guy that we utilize to run sweeps. He's going to be a matchup nightmare out there, and I love the selection. I do. I was a little shocked because Tevin Jenkins was still there. Creed yeah. Humphrey was still there. We all talked about this constantly, and especially most of the Jets fans that I've talked to, and I've been pounding the table for offensive line, offensive line, offensive line for years. And so I thought that we were going to take one of those guys. But when we took Elijah Moore, I said, yo, this is a good spot. This is a good pickup. You, you know this what? Is a solid, this is a solid draft move right here because the value, the value was off the charts for him. He should have been gone in the first. Yep. He should have been gone. I could put it to you this way because I, I think I know where Keith's going from. Like, I'll put it to you this way. I'm not saying Elijah Moore. Like, teams are not, scheming I'm not, for I'm Corey not, Davis. I'm not saying. I'm not saying uh, How not? Uh, he's the number one wide receiver. I'm not. I'm not. No, saying, no he's, the number one, he's the number one wide receiver because he has the biggest contract. You, you think teams are no. sitting next? No. Well, hold, on a hold on a second. Corey Davis. Corey Davis. You're saying teams have to sit back and scheme for what he does? What does he do that they're scheming for? Dude, he's a big body wide receiver that can move. He can get separation and he can make plays. He's not a scrub. No, no, I'm not, not a bum. Well, like, I didn't, I didn't you, say he was a scrub. Him sound like, yeah, but you. No, just, no, no. You, you said he's a scrub. Said, I didn't say that. No, no, no. You said the teams don't have to scheme for him, and I'm telling you that that's not. Correct. I'm saying there's a lot more things Elijah Moore could do in a football field than Corey Davis can do. Well, that then that's you, where you, I, that's I, where I, if I, if I, if I just <laughs> hold on a second. If I just use what you just said. You name five different things they might do with Davis on offense. They might do a sweep. They might use them like Debo. They might do this. They might do that. They're not doing any of those things with Corey Davis. Right? Because right? he's no. a number one wide receiver, dude. <laughs> They're what not does that have, mean? They, they, don't have, they don't have to run sweeps and everything with him. He's going to be a guy that's out there that's going to take coverage his way. Look. So Tyree Kill, is Tyree Kill number one wide receiver? Is Tyree Kill number one wide receiver? Listen. Is Tyree Kill number one wide receiver? Yes or no? 
Yes, yeah. right? Yeah, Terry yeah. Kill gets catches bubble screens, runs, okay. ends in a ref, does every single thing that I just mentioned, and you mentioned Elijah Moore could okay. maybe do. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but he's a number one, and you're acting like, since, oh, well, Corey Davis is number one. He would never do these things. The best number one receiver in the league is Tyreek Hill. He does all those things Elijah okay. Moore might be able to do. Okay, and so you're telling me that Corey Davis can't catch bubble screens? He's no, done that before. In what, what I'm saying you to you is, if, what, what I'm, what they, I'm saying they, to you is, if I use your own words, if I use your own words that you just no, said, Elijah Moore could do various different things. And then you said Corey Davis doesn't have to do that. He's the number one. As if, as if number one receivers just run routes and that's it. Is that yeah. what you're saying? No. That's what, it. I'm what I'm telling you is this: is that he can do those things, and he may do some of those things in the scheme. But again, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore's uh, more Elijah versatile. Moore's, uh, no. To just saying that he's more versatile. Elijah Moore's role in this mm -hmm. offense is going to be different than his. How can you say all these things when you've never seen Elijah Moore actually play against an opposing defense? Right. You know, so I, mean, that, that I, I will say this. I will say that. You know, football podcast. I will say football podcast would not be that good. You're saying that. You're sitting here saying these things like you've seen Elijah Moore put up any kind of numbers like Corey Davis has. You haven't seen Elijah Moore catch a football in a regular season game. And, that, and that's where at I all. Going. And, that's and where you're I was... saying that he's so then, more versatile. So when we sit here and do our shows, when we sit here and do podcasts and we talk about Zach Wilson, Elijah, very talk Elijah Moore, when we talk about them. We don't talk about them in the context of what they're going to do in the pros. You're, we're supposed to say, well, they never played a game, so we can't have a, we can't have a, a thought about how they're going to be in the pros. I don't understand no, what you're saying. You're, you're not Does it make any sense? No you, no, you don't make any sense because you're not talking about what they're going to do in the pros. You're talking like he's already done it. You're talking that you're saying that he's, well, he's more versatile than Corey Davis. He, how would you know that if he hasn't done anything yet? Yeah, you so can't that's say a, that. that. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's more. Hold, one second. So in college, think, he wasn't on, on versatile this or more not, versatile than what Corey hold, Davis did in college. Second. Corey Davis has gone out there against the top corners in this league, and we've seen him do this week in and week out and go out there and put up numbers. How can you say that Elijah Moore at this point is more versatile or better than Corey Davis if we've seen Corey Davis do it at a high level? It's not, he's, he's not a bum. He's a number one wide receiver. He's got a big contract for a reason. You keep getting yeah. up the big contract. Joe Douglas doesn't sign scrubs. He's got a big contract for a reason. Why? Because he's a big target and he's a big wide receiver and he's a number one. So right. I understand so, your optimism for Elijah Moore as we all are opti uh, optimistic so, about him. But so if I could, if I could, just interject, down a bit if I could just interject, you know what I'm saying? Slow it down. Can, if I could just player. interject Go ahead, Michael. real quick, I just, okay. I'm not saying that Elijah Moore is like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, but <laughs> if you had listened, if you had watched the the Last Dance, um, when Michael Jordan got drafted, right, he had never played in the NBA yet, and they were in practice, and this dude was already like, oh wow, like this, you know what I'm saying? And they knew, hey, this cat, <laughs> he's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, now, now to Keith, to Keith's, because I understand where both of your heads are, and I completely understand. Michael Jordan was not the best basketball player on the Chicago Bulls before the, his rookie season. But in practice, he was the most talented player, period, on the court. Now, we can say exactly the same thing off just looking at minicamp mini and OTAs, Elijah Moore, hands down, was the most talented guy out there. Not even, it wasn't even close. We were, there were beat writers out there just saying, we haven't seen talent like this in years. Okay. 
Now, Rick Semini said he's the best wide receiver they've ever drafted. Let me, yeah, let me, yeah. Which doesn't mean shit because he hasn't played a game yet, like you said. Like Joe said, but Joe's acting like this is just, I might because he's in California, like this is crazy talk. Let me, you know, but let me finish my, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. What I'm saying is, you know, right now, Elijah Moore is the most talented receiver we have seen so far through camp. And we're not going to, to Joe's point, is he the best? We can't say that yet because he hasn't played an NFL game. But Keith's point so far, Joe, no, you know, and I know Corey Davis has been limited no. because of injury. Yeah. You know, I understand. I, I get all that. And it's just been minicamp. It's been. But what we have seen, he has been the most dynamic player on offense without question. And that is that is that is something that is very exciting to see coming up here for the New York Jets because we haven't had a player like that. And I, I can't even tell you how long. No, listen, and, and I, I said that when we first started talking about him. He's looked great. He's looked phenomenal throughout OTAs, minicamps, all those things. I'm huge on Elijah Moore. But to say that he's more versatile or better than Corey Davis at this point, and he's done nothing during the regular season, I think everybody needs to slow down. You got to also remember, he's a rookie. He may look good in practice. He may look good in minicamp. He may look good in all those things. But when you get out there against actual opposing NFL defenses that are scheming for you, that know what you do and what you do well, that have watched all your tape hours upon you, and they're ready to take you apart, that's going to be different. You also got to think he's got to also get acclimated to the speed of the game, also while learning a brand new scheme. You guys are talking like he's going to come in. You're acting like he's going to come in and catch for 1,500 yards in his first season and just go crazy. Those that That is your expectation for him are way too high. Like, he's going to come in and be solid. I do think he's going to have a, a very solid impact on our offense. But to say that he's better than some of the guys that we have here already, Let me ask a question, a little, it's a little out of control. Let me it's ask just a, a little out of control. When it comes to uh, need to taper it down a little gotcha. bit. Gotcha. When it comes he's to a young, young rookie wide receiver. When he's, it comes to the Jacksonville, talented. when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, mm -hmm. Gardner Minshew has played a bunch of NFL games and been decent, but they drafted Trevor Lawrence. Who do you think is going to be better next year? If I if I said to you right now, Trevor Lawrence is going to be better, am I crazy? No, because Trevor Lawrence is going to be their starter. No, but he hasn't played a game yet. He's going to be their starter. But he hasn't played a game yet, though, right? So I'm just saying. Starter. I understand that, but so what is the argument? What you're saying? What you're saying? Your whole argument's based off. We haven't played a game yet. So any anything anyone who thinks Elijah Moore is going to do X, Y, and Z doesn't matter because they haven't played yet. No, right? No, you said that three times. Here's the deal of what you're saying. You're comparing Garner Minshew to a guy like Corey Davis. Corey Davis. No, I'm doing this. Joe, please, please let me speak, Joe. Just second. What I'm trying to do is say your point constantly has been. He hasn't played a game. He hasn't played a game. He hasn't played a game. As if you don't draft a guy where we drafted him and then have reasonable expectations. You might think it's unreasonable. He might not be great, whatever the case may be. But to say, well, he hasn't played a game yet. So having what? Any expectation makes no sense. It's not about not having any expectations. I'm saying your expectations are ridiculous because you're saying that. Wait, he's what awesome. were my expectations? You're saying that he's better than Corey Davis. So That's how what good you is Corey? Said. How good is Corey That's Davis? That's you, you, you not just say that. Hold on. Okay, how so good is Corey Davis? How Wait, good is Corey so Davis? That That's crazy though. Because Corey Davis is, is Corey Davis two years ago had 600 yards. You're last year about 900 again. yards. Why you're are you acting like he's elite? 
you're sitting here, but you're acting like Corey Davis is a bum. He's not a bum. I never said he was you're a bum. Okay, I said, okay, I said, so, I said, I said okay. Elijah Moore could be better. So, no, okay, this is so if, he's, if he's not, not a bum, you're not going if he's not a bum, right? And Corey Davis yeah. is a good wide receiver, and he's our number one. The second that we signed him, before Elijah Moore was even in the picture, we were all excited about Corey Davis. Joe, who, who do you think? That's, that's a little current, crazy. Who do you think currently is our our best um, running back? Now that we have drafted a guy like Michael Carter, but we mm -hmm. brought in Tevin Coleman, we have a Ty Johnson, you know, Michael P. Ryan potentially will come back. We'll see if he ends up getting cut. You know, what what do you th what's your thoughts about the running back group and uh, and and who potentially is going to be the lead dog and from there? Oh, that that's a great question. Tough one. Oh man, listen. This, this running back situation is going to be very, very intriguing because we can't carry. I don't know how many we're going to carry. But again, when I look at the 49ers system and the 49 the way that they ran the football there, and again, the Shanahan system's coming here, I think our best right now, I'm very, very high on a guy like uh, Ty Johnson, I'm very high on. I like P. Ryan. Carter, though, I think is unbelievable. Yeah, I truly man. do. I think he's unbelievable. I don't know where he's going to land it. A lot of people are kind of penciling him in to being that RB1. But again, I think we're going to have a system that's going to be running back by committee. The yeah. same thing as the Niners do. The yeah. same exact thing. Um, so I don't know if if being the RB1 here is really going to matter much because you're going to share carries with the rest of the guys. Yep. But mm -hmm. I could see him being in the mix, not just because of the way that he runs the football, bro. If you watch him, he has another gear. And that's what I'm excited about. When you watch this guy take off and again, you know, they didn't always have pads on, but he was out there moving. But yep. his ability to catch the football coming out the backfield, I think is going to be huge. So does his well. size, does his size concern you at all? I know it's a different NFL, but 5'8", 200. Do you think that's a guy who can get still 20 touches a game, whether yeah. they're throwing it to him, whether they're handing it off? Does it bother you at all? No, it doesn't bother me. I think he'll still be useful. Like, I, I, I think he can still be utilized very well within the offense. I don't yeah, think and, they're- And Ty Johnson, you mentioned, yeah. career-wise, always productive and just never gets any- I mean, Jeff, people that yeah. do podcasts like us, we know about him as yards per carry, but yeah. when he got a little bit of exposure last year, give him 11 carries, he ran- yeah. the, the Raider game, he played great. Yeah. Um, the game versus the Rams that we won, not yeah. rushing the ball, but receiving the ball. I think he had 60 yards, he had a touchdown. So he's somebody that, when you looked what he did with the Lions, was pretty productive. When you look what he did with in small sample size for us last year, was actually pretty productive too. So I, yeah. he, I like that you mentioned him because people are talking about Carter because he's sexy because we saw the highlights, he's a draft pick. Yeah. And it feels it feels like we kind of got to steal with Carter, I, mm -hmm. I think, you know? So, and, and people know the name Tevin Coleman, you know, he's not the worst running back. He's not amazing, but he's he's good depth guy, I think. But I think lost in the mix here is Ty Johnson. He's someone that, um, and we are going to have a committee like the Niners did. It always seemed like every three or four weeks, someone else popped up out there in San Francisco that was tearing it up. But I think Ty Johnson, when this year starts, is someone we should keep an eye on, especially in training camp, because he might end up, the smoke might clear. I think it could be Johnson and Carter kind of as our one-two punch. Yeah. And Piran, I'm, I'm disappointed in Piran, guys. <laughs> I got to yeah, be honest. I, I mean... And I know, you know what, guys, last year when when um, they were running out um, Frank Gore nonstop and they're running P. Ryan out there and they're both averaging, what, like 3-5 a carry? Three, we know our offensive line was garbage. I'm not even going to blame them. But they'd run Ty Johnson out. He's running for five yards a carry with the same line. And I'm like, and as we know, you probably were going crazy too, Joe. It's like everyone that was flash, Jason's like, all right, back to the bench. I'm going to put Gore back in. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? This kid, the kid obviously is the only thing we have going on offense. So yeah. I think that's a good point. I don't think he should be lost in the mix. I'm sorry, Mike. What were you going to say? 
Oh, no, no, no. I, I just completely agree. Uh, I think Ty Johnson and uh, Carter are probably going to be the, the 1A, 1B. We'll see what happens. But uh, because of the scheme and what's coming from the San Francisco uh, uh, for, uh, framework, I think that we're built perfectly for that type of scheme. We have the right blockers. We're going to have the right system. And hopefully these guys, you know, I would like, look, we drafted Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is going to not be like Sam Darnold in that three years from now, is he a good quarterback? Did we put enough weapons around him? Did we give him the right scheme? No, we're going to know exactly what Zach sure. Wilson is because he has the tools to do well. And I'm hoping, Joe, that they the the you know our identity is more built off the run that's my hope to start oh, yeah. young zach um but i don't think and we're you know we're talking draft right now i think my expectations and tell me if i'm off the chain with the expectations mm -hmm. my expectations is that zach wilson's gonna throw for four thousand yards 17 games 17 games 235 yards a game 235 yards a game puts you at 19th in the league last year. Okay. Yeah. So essentially what we're saying is if he has a below average season, just a little bit below <coughs> average, that should put him in the realm of 4,000. He should hit it. He should be right there. I think opinion. that's I, I'm not I'm not not to interrupt you, Joe, but I think okay. that I would I would hope that that's lofty just because of what we've seen as Jet fans. Yeah, I mean that's lofty to, to think that, Mike. But I think NFL 2021 is that outside the realm of possibility with how accurate Zach is. No, but I hope what I'm hoping for is his first year. Maybe he doesn't go for 4,000 because, like you said, we run the ball more. We have a better yeah, offensive line. Maybe yeah. we have a little bit more ball control. We don't have to sling the ball. Like like Joe Burrow, man, that first six or seven games. Yeah. I'm watching this kid play, and I'm like, wow, they're throwing 50 times a game. 45. I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, they're putting him in harm's way. Not that anything. I knew he was going to get hurt, but we all saw what happened. I hope with Zach, Mike, I don't think it's too crazy, and I want to hear what Joe thinks too, but I'm hoping the offense goes a little bit of a different direction, at least his rookie year. Let him build into slinging it maybe his second or third year. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that's the way that I kind of see it. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll hit 4,000 yards. He may be somewhere around there, but I don't know if he'll actually hit 4,000 yards. But what I do uh, think, and, and you hit the, the nail on the head for me, Michael, is I think we're going to run the ball. Let me tell you something. Again, I watched the Niners. We're going to run the ball, dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if y'all know, but we, we about to run the ball, dog. Like, that's what they do. And, and that Shanahan scheme coming here, especially with the offensive line that we have, Look at the situation. Uh, you know, Vera Tucker, Makai Becton, you know, Connor McGovern's going to be out there. We're still trying to figure out that right guard spot. Hopefully it's Cam Clark. We got Moses. Hope. Dude, we're going to be running the ball, <laughs> bro. We're going to be running That's, the ball. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think that that is going to open up things as well offensively for Zach, too, because off of having a strong running game and having people have to respect that, the play action opens up. Everything else opens up off of that. So I don't know about 4,000 yards. I might be, I'm not going to say it's wildly out of like out of control or super lofty, but I, I don't think he'll necessarily hit that. I think he'll have solid numbers though. And I think he'll be fairly accurate, but I don't, I don't know if 4,000 yards, if you can put that you, on. You know, what's so crazy. The first quarterback to ever throw 4,000 yards was Mr. Joe Namath Joe back Williams. in 1967. <laughs> and no other jet quarterback has ever done it. There's been 49 <laughs> other quarterbacks that have thrown for 4,000 yards. Unreal. And we still haven't had that. You know what I'm saying? So if Zach were to do it, he'd be the second quarterback ever to do it for the New York Jets. But what was your thoughts of uh, us drafting Zach? I mean, I gave my story to Pauston Jr. last week. I mean, I, last uh, yeah, last week. Your story may be similar to mine. Essentially, like we won a game against the Rams. I checked his bowl game. He lit it up. I was like, who is this? Yeah. 
checked YouTube, got excited, kept watching him. And I couldn't be more thrilled to have young Zach. And I've been watching him, uh, you know, in OTA's minicamp, how he's handling himself, how he's getting with his teammates, being that type of leader, you know, being able to answer questions in the locker room. has more of that charismatic type of leadership presence that Sam, you know, I'm not saying Sam wasn't a bad leader. He's just different. He's a Cali Super boy, chill. right? He's mad chill. Like, you know, like everything. Zach is just a little bit different there. So. I'm I'm really excited. I love his gameplay. Like when I saw him out there throwing the ball, like how like Mahomes, like you know that 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 X factor where you could like sit and he just zip it off. Like I'm like, okay, you got that in the game. All right, I got you. He may. He, I hope he ain't doing that his rookie year. But as he gets more comfortable, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. How he can play. So, well, how did you feel about Zach Wilson and uh, what what are you thinking about him future wise? Yeah, um, when I look at the situation, uh, I was a big Sam guy, um, and I wish him nothing but the best We went with Carolina. Um, I was hoping that we'd actually keep him and attempt to build around him, but moving on from him, I completely understand. This is Joe Douglas's team, um, and it was just, it was time to move on, and that's where he wanted to do. He wanted to get his own guy. Uh, Zach Wilson, I think, came into the picture late for a lot of Jets fans. I remember everybody was raving about Trevor Lawrence left and right. And then when that ship sailed, it was like, hey, you know, we're done. It's over. We're not going to get a guy. And then all of a sudden, everybody fell in love with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has a lot of great traits. He really, really does. He's got a strong arm. Um, he's a hard worker. He's got solid football IQ. But I have some questions. You know, we saw a lot of late interceptions at, at BYU. We saw him not really play anybody. There was a cupcake schedule as well. Um, and, and I know a lot of people that questioned the injury stuff as well um, with him. I think he's a solid pick. I was a big Justin Fields guy, though. I'm going I'm to tell you right now, I was big on Justin Fields. That arm, um, his ability to move outside the pocket, uh, just the guts and moxie that he showed against Clemson. You know, throwing, I think what he had, six touchdowns with broken ribs yeah. and out-dueled what was, what was supposedly just the greatest quarterback ever of all time from college. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you couldn't say, they, 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 there wasn't a negative word that you could say about Trevor Lawrence that was sticking uh, this season to anybody. So, and he went out there and just put on with crushed ribs and everything. So that, those guts just going out there and saying, you know, I, I'm just gonna put on, I don't care what's happening. I don't care what's wrong with my body. Bro, he sold me the entire season. Um, me, am I upset? Keith, that we yeah, me and Keith loved him, but I'll yeah. tell you my problem with uh, Mr. Fields, we we um, interviewed Bill Rabinowitz, who was a beat writer for Ohio State, and he was talking about to us about um, Fields and the issue. The only issue that I had with Justin Fields was um, his ability. You know, the fact that he would hold on to the ball and and get sacked, and I didn't like that. That was one stat that, and I, he led the NFL in. I forgot the the stat. I'd have to go back and look, but you know, he essentially would hold the ball, hold onto the ball too long, and would be getting sacked. And his sack rate, um, I, I, I've, I escapes me. I wish I could have pulled it up. I didn't know we were going to talk about Justin Fields, but that, like, I didn't want. And I remember when we were going to go get Sam Darnold, or you know, back in 2018, I wanted Baker Mayfield. I did not want. And Sam Darnold wasn't one of the ones I really, really wanted because I didn't like the turnovers. That was one of the flags. So that's why with Fields, I was like, no, I don't want someone that had. Now, again, is, you know, that was college. He has the arm. He has the attitude. I love, I think he's going to do great over there in Chicago. Yeah, but I, if I had the choice, I definitely wanted Wilson over Fields just mm -hmm. because of what that. Uh, um, attribute that I just spoke about, but both yeah. I thought were fantastic. Trey Lance had his things, his, his attributes too. But honestly, I'm, I'm very, I'm over the moon over Zach. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and we've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time to get this quarterback right. So let's take another swing at it. Hopefully Zach Wilson's the guy. I like Justin Fields a lot too. A lot of different yeah. things too. Off the field stuff. Just a good Zach Wilson's a good person. Don't get me wrong. He's a Mormon. So I'm, I'm assuming he's a great guy, right? But <laughs> yeah. Justin Fields, I would see him get interviewed. He just I just dug that kid, man. I just dug how hard he worked, his story and everything like that. Guys like that usually succeed uh in life. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he's yeah. just someone I think is going to be a very good pro. So if they didn't get Zach Wilson, which we did, I would have been very happy with Justin Fields. I would have been well. happy with Fields. Yeah. And let's let's segue into some of these uh, camp headlines here, and then we'll talk about some bubble dudes, and we'll get out of here. We just mentioned the offensive line, and you mentioned one Cameron Clark, Joe. Now, when we get into how these starters are going to shake out, we know four of the starters are ready. Then we had that we have not a hole, but we had that question mark there at right guard. We have Van Roten. I think guys technically Alex Lewis hasn't been cut yet, right? He's still on the squad. No, he's still yeah, so Lewis, Lewis yeah. on the squad. He could be a camp casualty because of his contract. And then we have Clark, who I think last year when we took, I was hoping by this year, might be battling there for that starting spot. So you might be right. Even if that right guard is a Van Roten or a Clark and kind of a question mark, still to me, probably our best offensive line since those Sanchez years when we had Fanica and we had our boys in the middle and we had, uh, you know, we had Mangled and we had Brick and all those dudes. So what do you think when this shakes out at the end of the year? Do you think that's the guy at right guard? Do you think it's going to be Cameron Clark? I know it's hard to say now. We got to no. get camp going. Yeah. You know, I mean, for who's me, your favorite? Yeah, yeah. For me, it, it, it's Cam Clark. I mean, okay. I, I I can't. I do not want to see Van Roten or Alex Lewis out there ever again. If I could <laughs> get those, put those guys on a jet and send them somewhere else, I would absolutely do that. Those guys are terrible, and we saw a lot of issues, particularly last year, uh, come from them playing. Right, a lot of the pressure that we had last season was coming straight up the middle. Absolutely. Our guard spot was issues, right? And then you yep. saw uh, even Connor McGovern was suffering. And a lot of people were like, yo, get him out of here too, because he sucks. But uh, again, a lot of people were saying, okay, well, it, it's the guard play. The guard play is so bad. So for me in my brain, right? If this guy, Cam Clark, is drafted by Joe Douglas, was sat out all season, it's gotta be a reason. There's gotta be a reason that this guy is starting to get pub and starting to get put out there. We've seen him working and doing things. He's gotta be the guy that's gonna be stepped up and put into the right guard spot this season. He's gotta be. Because if you're going with Van Roten again, that does not, I don't think that bodes any kind of confidence for anyone in this fan base at all. Because both of those guys are trash, <laughs> trash. Van Roten, Lewis, trash. I don't want to see either one of them. So I'm hoping that Cam Clark is the guy that shakes out there. And uh, if he does, like, I, I really believe that the offensive line is going to be solid. I do. Yeah, they would show replays last year, Joe. I don't know. You have this in your head where the, the pocket would just co the collapse around Sam. And it was right up the middle. I mean, the, and the guy, he maybe had a second. He dropped back one, two, three steps. The pocket's already destroyed. Yeah. That Niner game, that Niner game was embarrassing to watch because they just figured us out. So oh my like, god, there, there was so many blocks missed in that game. Uh, oh, I forgot. God. I think it was Van Roten that missed a block, a running block. Yeah. Uh, that on a third down or fourth down, it was something like that, and he just let a guy straight up yeah. the middle. There were so many issues. You go back and you watch that Broncos game. Oh my god. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sam was just running for his life. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was. It's and insane. You're so right. In the Broncos game, this never happens. They're actually showing highlights in the Broncos game of missed tack, missed blocks by Jet yeah. offensive line. That doesn't happen. That it means it was so bad they were in the booth. They're like, we have to talk about this. So we're on yeah. the same page when it comes to that. Now, another big area of concern, to me, probably the weakest part of our defense, maybe of the team, is the cornerback group. Okay, yes. now we have now we don't have a guy in this group that we've drafted, Joe, above mm -hmm. the fifth round. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know that already. Bryce Hall and I think our boy um Michael Carter the second this year, both fifth round picks. Everybody mm -hmm. else, undrafted free agent 
or drafted below the fifth round. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what you think, because I mean, it kind of is. I know Bryce saw a lot of people are dicking the end of the year last year, and they think he's going to be the one. But how do you see this pecking order when it comes to these corners? We still got Blasson Austin in there. We still got a ton of guys. We got Hari. I know he's a special team guy, but we got M um, McCarter the second. We have so many names: Javelin Gidry, Lamar Jackson. Um, how do you see this shaking out? I know we could potentially still go sign a veteran. I don't really see that happening at this point. You think when the year starts, week one, who do you think is going to be starting out there in the, on the cornerback positions? At this point, I mean, I can't really say that bless. I mean, I guess bless Austin would be the number one and Hall is going to be the number two at this point. That That's just where in my mind, I do not like blessed Austin at all. I think he's trash as well. Um, he's a guy right. that struggled last season like crazy. He was getting cooked left and right. Now, Bryce Hall, yes. Did he have his game where he was getting, you know, pushed around out there? Yeah, but he's a young cornerback. He's He was rookie cornerback. But we also seen flashes out of him where we were like, whoa. This kid actually might have something. There were a couple games. I remember when we played, uh, what was that? I think it was San Diego, where even the San Diego wide receivers were like, you know, he's not that bad. He's just young. You know, there was a lot of a lot of things going on with him. So this cornerback position is really shaky, really, really shaky. Yes. And that's why I think the big thing for us as well defensively, and that's why, again, I, I brought up Carl Lawson early. I think our pass rush is going to be tremendous for our defense because it's going to take a lot of the steam off of our cornerbacks. That's a great point. Because getting to the quarterback immediately is, yeah. is important here. <laughs> so true. It is so paramount true. here. Yeah. Now, because if you ask these guys to cover for too long, I think they're going to give up a lot. But again, Bryce Hall, I think, is going to be a guy that's really going to shake out this year. Uh, Austin, I think, is going to be a guy that's probably going to be the number one. But after that, there's a lot of questions, particularly in that slot as well. You brought up Michael Carter the second. There's other guys out there. Pinnock as well. Eccles, a lot of people are talking about him possibly challenging. So yeah. there's a lot of free and open spots there, and we'll see who comes in. But there's a guy, Isaiah Dunn, okay? That's we didn't talk about left and right. This guy, you know what I'm saying, is getting paid big money. <laughs> he is. <laughs> no, he paid, has, you know he is. And that, that's yeah. true, boy. But there's you know what? got to be a he, reason why he's getting that type of cash from Joe Douglas. So he, he, we'll he see cannot. where he fits in and falls into the situation as well. Go ahead, Keith, Michael. Keith and I have been going back and forth about cornerback for a little while. And it's just because mm -hmm. we're debating on, you know, who's going to be the guy. And it reminds it's so hard me, to tell. It reminds me back in the day I used to listen to you. And uh, you and your partner would go back and forth about Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty. Oh, well, those were ugly times. <laughs> those were ugly you times. You remember that, right? Oh, yeah. my God. Those hack were... The Hack oh, Hive, man, I listen, I'm like, why? Yeah. They, I'm like, but we had nothing else. Nothing we, else. Yeah, that's, that's what we had. That's exactly, exactly. what we're It's like Mike and I, Mike and I, Joe debated Bryce Hall. Is Mike's like he's the number one? And I was like, well, he's the number one to me almost like by default at this point, just because we don't have a real number one corner. Mm -hmm. Like you know, like and like even when we debated the wide receivers, we could debate it all day. Corey Davis got paid like a number one wide receiver. I can't debate yeah. that all. So we don't have a corner that fits into that mold right now on paper. Mm -hmm. At least someone like Isaiah Dunn's getting paid more. Like Joe That's said, crazy. that kid got paid as an undrafted free agent. <laughs> He's getting paid more than six round picks. Yeah, well, they don't make anything. He got, he got he got the highest, like we said, the highest undrafted free agent contract in the history. Of in the, the yeah, NFL. in the history. Yep. Wow. Of any oh, any position, yeah. any anything. So they obviously we yep. didn't have. We I think our last pick was our boy Marshall in the the sixth round. We didn't have a seventh round pick, or else they would have took him, Mike. So yeah. I don't. I'm I'm interested to see. I know Michael Carter got a lot of pub in those mini camps as being solid in the slot. Some people have said bring a veteran in. You you see articles every once in a while. Bring Brian Poole back. I think 
what we have there, at least it's slot with Gidry and with Michael Carter the second. Gidry was pretty decent last year. I'm not saying he was elite, um, but he was he, he tackles too Gidry, which I like. He does not mind getting in the mix. So that cornerback position, an area of weakness for us, somewhere to keep an eye on in training camp for sure. Now, dudes that we want to talk about that are on the bubble, Joe. Now, we talked about mm -hmm. Chris Herndon, and you, you shared your opinion on him. You're not a big fan. Okay, no. so Chris Herndon... You, do you feel in your heart of hearts, unless this kid balls, and he didn't in OTAs, he's dropped. All we heard was he's with the second teams, and I know sometimes you can't read the most into that. Sometimes coaches are trying things out. I get it, guys. But if you're with, if you're in Chris Herndon's situation, and it's Ryan Griffin and Kenny Yaboa, an undrafted free agent, and Tyler Croft in front of you, and you're running with the twos, not a good sign. And you're dropping balls left and right, not a good sign. Do you feel like this kid's going to have to ball out in camp to make this team? Uh... That could be a possibility, but I also think other guys need to step up and take that spot as well, right? Right. Like, uh, you you guys brought up a King Yaboa. That's the guy that I think I'm, you know, really excited Wait. about. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. a guy that you know. Some people said uh, there was reports coming out that the Jets had a fourth round grade on that guy. Yeah. Really? So uh, guess what? If he can come in, and I've been talking about him all year, <laughs> all, all, all off season. I mean, I've been talking about him all off season. He's a guy I think is going to be able to step up. He's athletic. He's got the ability. Yeah. You know, he's got to get his hands together. I need to see him, you know, consistently be able to catch the football. And I think he'll be able to take a spot. The spot's open for sure. Oh, absolutely. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't play well, I could see him being gone. Absolutely. Because this whole Chris Herndon, this year is the year. Then next year is the year. Well, maybe 2028. That's the year. I ain't got time for that no more, man. We yeah. need to figure out what this guy is and what he isn't. So, yeah, if he doesn't play well and show that he can, you know, produce within his scheme, I, I could see him absolutely being on. Mike, what do you think when it comes to, I want to ask you and Joe, when it comes to our boy Adoga, he's another guy we've kind of been waiting around on. I feel like he's, with the with the depth we've kind of added here at offensive line, especially making the trade for Moses. So now Font is a backup. That's a pretty decent guy to have. I think Adoga's history, Mike. Do you think he's on the bubble too, Joe? Dude, listen, I'm a USC guy. I told y'all he was trashed the second we drafted him. I told everybody he was trashed. I don't know. I don't understand what was going on here. Listen, he's a project. He was a project at best, okay? He was never going to come in and immediately be the starter. He was not a guy. He was a guy you're going to have to consistently work with. If he doesn't put together, he is gone. Okay, he's trash. How much better? How much better was Elijah Vera Tucker than Madoga uh, at US? Not even. Not, dude. That's a whole nother galaxy. Okay. <laughs> it's another can we galaxy. talk? Yeah. And by the way, can we talk a little bit about Vera? My yeah. guy Vera Tucker's. In the I know that's your boy. You know I know that's your boy. We in the building. USC, we in the building. Fight on. We in the building. Do you understand <laughs> that? Do you understand what's going on that, here? That was. We cute. got a Trojan, yeah. another Trojan on the roster, a guy that's going to be able to step in at that left guard position and absolutely maul people. We should be running left all game, all every game. game. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason to run right. I anymore. thought that I saw some of these NFL guys, uh, NFL when I was watching Jeremiah, they almost felt like they couldn't say enough good things about AVT. Bro. And Mike, I'll tell you, Joe, uh, months ago, I, he was like, after Penny Sewell, which I thought would go first, all of us pretty much agreed on that, I had him as my next best offensive lineman, my favorite offensive lineman in the draft, because if you look at what he does, he's good in pass protection, good in run block, nasty streak, and he does not make mistakes. This is not a kid out there making, he's not missing blocking assignments. You put the tape on, you watch, he's always where he's supposed to be. He'll make his block, go make another block. I mean, AVT was just, it, it's, it's like the way, and you alluded to it, kind of the way the stars have fallen here for our boy Zach Wilson is the antithesis of what happened with Sam Darnold. <laughs> kind of the opposite, kind of the anti-Sam Darnold, unfortunately for him. And the way we're putting this team together, the building blocks, including AVT, is just, it's the way you build a winning franchise. Yeah, now, I want to get back to these, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, and, and you brought up a great point, and I was going to bring that up as well. When you look at the situation, it's because we have a general manager with a plan. Well, how do we get that pick? We got that pick because we got rid of a safety that I was talking about getting rid of oh, for, for a long time, Peace for months. Up. Uh, for months, I talked about getting rid of Jamal Adams, and there was a lot of people that were opposed to that. I was told that I was not a Jets fan. I was told that I didn't oh know anything God. about football. I was told that Jamal Adams was the greatest thing since sliced bread because he talks to everybody on Twitter. Well, guess what? Everybody was wrong. Okay, yeah, no. everybody was wrong. Yeah. And I told people for months about this. And I said that he was a nut job. And I said that he would go crazy. And I said that he was a front runner. And I said he wouldn't be here for the long term. You're right. We should get rid of him because he played a non-impact position that yep. did not help us yep. consistently. You're right, and Joe. guess what? When the tables turned and we got him on up out of here, guess what we did? We immediately sealed. We took that capital and we traded up. Yes, we traded up. And for those of you that hated that trade, you, you're completely crazy. We you gave don't know anything about football. Right. I, I'm not going to disrespect you like that. No, I'm if you don't like that trade, you don't know anything about football. That's what I'm okay. saying. He said, no, he said. I did not. <laughs> I did not. I'm just saying, you know, you're a little crazy. That's what and, I will and, say to and, those that didn't like that trade. But we moved up and we immediately intact, impact, oh, excuse me, we immediately attacked an impact position that is definitely going to benefit and uh, help our young quarterback. And that's why I want more than anything made it sign long term with us because then I just want to look at Jamal and be like son look what you could have had look look at where you could Marcus have been. May outplayed him in every I mean he had some sacks last year don't get me wrong Jamal Adams but he's turned himself into a one trick pony because he can't cover anybody in pro football focus hmm. if that means if that means he was almost the lowest rate of safety in coverage last year in the NFL if, if those things matter to you Joe um and you have to cover when you play safety I don't know if anyone knows this you don't just tackle people you have to you have that's you got to cover some dude. So Jamal Adams last year. Jamal wonder, Adams was bad last year. I wonder who said that. I wonder who said that Jamal Adams was an overrated box safety and that Marcus May was better than him. I think that was me. <laughs> I think that was me consistently. I think I told people consistently that Marcus May was the best safety on the team, and I was told that that was not true. It's funny how uh, things have changed. That's yeah, all I'm well, saying. Go ahead. You know what? He barks. He gets a lot of media attention. And that's why I went after Scott Mason the other day, who on the the Let's Talk the Jets the other podcast, because he's like, oh well, May is not going to get anywhere near what you know Jamal Adams. You know, he's nothing to Jamal Adams. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. What 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 world do you live in? Because what the hell? May was definitely a better NFL player than Jamal Adams was last season. It's I just, don't know it's what, what world you live in. He was getting sacks, and that's sexy. And in my head, that affects the game, right? But, dude, you're a safety. You got to cover. Troy Palomalu would cover people, then play on the line and affect you. So when you played the Steelers, you're like, damn, this dude could be anywhere. He might be blitzing right now, but he might drop back, get an interception, bring it 90 yards. Nobody worried about that, which obviously Joe didn't. Nobody nobody worried about that with Jamal Adams because even when he was balling those first couple of years, none of us thought he was great cover. I think he has one interception his whole career. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, so let's be real. Here's the issue is that when you're – when you're saying sacks and safeties and all, he's not a defensive end. That's not what he plays. Exactly. He's a safety. Exactly. You're after, so what? Exactly. What you can't. You can't uh, accept. You can't expect a safety to get you 10, 15 sacks. Like the, the problem was, and I kept consistently told people this. I think people look at Jamal Adams and thought he affected the game the same way that Joey Bosa does. That is not true. That's not factual. Like that, and I and I look and I love all my Jets for every single one of y'all. If you're listening to me, salutes. I'm right there with you. But it's not the same impact because nope. you got to think when you're bringing him down because all he can do is blitz. You're also affecting your coverage. They exactly. pick it up. You're getting cooked on the back end. You get what I'm saying? That's why it's not the same. And by the way, he can't cover anybody. He can't listen. <laughs> he can't cover a bed with a bed sheet. 
And it's been that way for a long time, okay? And I told people this consistently. Look, he got cooked by Julian Edelman this year. That guy's oh, yeah. old as dirt. And actually, he took him to school. He was getting destroyed by damn near every wide receiver that he had to match up with and cover because he can't cover. Yeah. And guess what? You're a safety, not a defensive end, not a, a outside linebacker. You're a safety. So play that position. Well, let me, and let, still and still waiting for that long-term contract. Let me uh, – uh, one other guy that um, could be considered on the bubble, but I just have a feeling that no one's talking about him. And either Salah has seen something that he really, really likes or – you know, because they haven't gone out and got this type player. Now, I know the offense that we're using is going to be utilizing. We're going to utilize what San Francisco utilizes. And San Francisco utilizes the fullback position, okay? And we did not get, uh, um, how do you say his name? Weischeck? Uh, There's too many vowels and consonants. I know, right. Don't worry about it. 49 fullback. We didn't get him, right? Oh, yeah, Yuschek. Yuschek, right. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're going to bring in a fullback, but they never brought any any fullback. And I know that the fullback is an important piece to this scheme. So I'm thinking to myself, so who's going to play that role? Trayvon Wesco? Yeah. Is Trayvon yeah. Wesco someone that no one's even talking about that actually is pl- doing something, you know, within the offense that the the LaFleur and Salah actually like? Could this be a player who makes the team and actually does is a value in this system? I mean, we haven't added a full a fullback, have we? You know, and I know they utilize that position if, like at San Francisco. So what do you think about what do you think about Trayvon Wesco and his potential to make the 53? Uh, he has the picture to do so. And it, like you said, I, just based off his blocking ability, uh, also the things that he does on special teams too. So yeah, he could be there. I could see him being utilized in that, you know, tight end or fullback role. We, we've seen that in the past with him as well. So that's something that he could do. All right. I want to just ask you about a few more guys on the bubble here because they switched yeah. up the scheme we know on defense and it has affected some players. And I think yeah. Bryce Huff might be one of those guys. I know he's kind of set up the way his skill set is as a three, four edge guy. We're moving here to a four, three guy. Very different. I know he's shown flashes of being really, really good. I just don't know if he fits with what we're going to do next year on defense. I know unless you're guys like us that know the whole, you know, Jet roster, you might, they might not know the most about Bryce Huff, but someone, a lot of Jet fans were behind, especially after that rookie year. You think he's going to make the squad this year or you think he's going to be a camp uh, casualty? That's that's a guy that's tough. Um, and like you said as well, I want to see how he fits within this scheme and what he does. But again, I, I, we, we talk about the 4-3 scheme and I get it. Like, that, yeah, that's what we're moving to and things. But he may be able to be utilized in a certain way because, again, I'm telling you, I watch the Niners. Sella just finds ways to make guys successful. He just does. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how, how much yeah, yeah. I can. I, I can, you know, hit that because I'm telling you, I watched guys with the Niners that I was like, there you this go. guy's, you know, pretty average. And he would just have those guys just running around in within the scheme like a chicken with their head cut off. And okay. they were making plays. So I could see Huff doing something. But again, we'll see how this works because the transition is happening. You know? Yeah. And the last thing I want to ask you about, obviously, is this kicker position, which has just been... Which has just been bad for a long time. Sam Ficken. Worse, it's it's like, just, uh, it's not even, worse. it's the worst. It seems like the biggest hole for us. And when we're out there playing in the Meadowlands oh. at East Coast, cold weather games, you got to have someone that could blast that ball. Sam Ficken hasn't been great. I know we brought our boy in, Mike, uh, from Los Huevos last year. He wasn't great. Do you think they're going to bring some, not that this, I know people go, it's a throwaway position for people. But for most people, having that good kicker, it's so important, especially in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam Ficken. I mean, this guy is, he is what it is. Do you think we're going to actually 
keep him? You think we're gonna bring a kicker in? What do you think is gonna happen here with the special team situation? Yeah, you know, I love that you brought this up because, like you said, a lot of people look at this look at the position, and say it's a throwaway position. It's not. There's a lot of teams in this league that will tell you that they have gotten into the playoffs or lost games and been, you know hobbled out of the playoffs because of kickers. They've lost games, won games off, and special teams matters in this league, let me tell yeah, you. It does. Dude, we used to have Nick Foles. Like the Foles, <laughs> you're, how many games did that guy kick us uh, into winning? You know what true. I'm saying? So let's be serious here. Look, Ficken, yeah, he's here. Do I think he'll make the roster? I don't know. Should we bring in competition? Absolutely. And that's what I think that we should do. He should have to win that position because he's been as up and down as you can get. You know, so we've got to make sure that we address that and we've got to bring in competition and we'll see what happens there. Because like you guys said, that kicker position is a question mark. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad for a long time, guys. And not only is Sam Fickett horrible, he just looks like a clown. Like, you know, he don't he don't look like an athlete. It doesn't matter. I don't you could, you could look like a total troll out there, but he takes his helmet off and he looks like he should be like in, in cycling or something. He doesn't look like a professional <laughs> athlete to me. Um, besides the point, though. All right, everybody. I think we covered the gamut there with Long Beach Joe dropping his knowledge on us. Obviously, a gigantic fan of Elijah Moore. We know. And as the year as the year as the year goes on, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, that was tremendous. Great debate. And you made a ton of great points. So obviously your acumen with the Jets is tremendous. And that was a lot of fun talking to you, Michael. If anyone does want to get at us, support the AEBG world, why don't you let them know where they can do that? Well, we're on Facebook. You can follow us at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter, at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. And on Instagram, at Jet.AEBG. And Joe, why don't you let them know where they could find you on your socials and everywhere else? Yes, absolutely. And again, thank you guys for having me on your show. It's phenomenal. You guys do a great job over here. And I love, you know, sitting down and talking Jets with you guys. Um, you guys can uh, check out Long Beach Joe Jets on Facebook. Uh, that's the page there. I'm also on uh, Twitter as well at YoungJ000 to three zeros. Go ahead and follow me. I'll follow you right back. Listen, I'm the troll to listen under the bridge. You troll me, I'm going to troll you right back. I got that Vera Tucker jersey on at <laughs> all times, my man. Okay? At all times. You can also follow my show's page as well at the Long Beach Joe on Twitter. I'm also on YouTube as well. That's where I live stream. I do my shows live. I take live callers as well. Long Beach Joe Jets on YouTube. Long Beach Joe Jets is there. The number to call in is 515-602-9639. Again, 515-602-9639. Call in. I love going back and forth with everybody. And again, please subscribe to my channel, Long Beach Joe Jets, and turn on your notifications. So when we go live and I post content, you folks will be in the Oh, we also game over there as well. Play Street Fighter, all kinds of stuff. You know, we have a blast. And listen, everybody that's listening, all my Jets brothers and sisters, it's free hugs over here, all right? They cost you absolutely nothing. It's arms out, chest open. Free hugs for everybody. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris and Long Beach Joe. My name is Keith Fowle. Good at you next week, everybody. Peace out.